Welcome back to Boilers Extra. I'm Nathan Baird, the Purdue Men's Basketball Insider for the Journal and Courier. And we're talking a little bit of Purdue hoops today with Lincoln Journal stars Chris Basnett going into Saturday night's game against Nebraska at Mackey Arena. Obviously, Purdue going for a seventh straight victory that night. It's the Hammer Down Cancer game. For those of you who purchased uh, jerseys through the online auction that Purdue is using to raise funds, you can see them in action, I suppose, Saturday night for the, the rest of you. Um, just a, a big game for Purdue, but obviously leading into an even bigger game, I think, uh, Tuesday night at Maryland. So um, we, we have a short show for you this week, but uh, and we'll get to Chris Basnett in a moment. But I wanted to point out a couple of things we have going on at jconline.com this week. Um, starting with our, our football coverage, Mike Carmen has been on top of a lot of offseason stuff. Uh, earlier this week, he had Jeff Brom's first comments on David Bell the Warren Central receiver and what he's going to mean to what was already a really highly ranked recruiting class. And he's already started you know, breaking down the positions uh, going into the offseason, or I'm sorry, going into spring practice, I should say. Spring practice, uh, we found out this week, will begin February 25th, running through uh, early April, I think. So um, uh, just continued football coverage all, all throughout the offseason from Mike, and, and he'll be back on the podcast, I'm sure, uh, soon. And we'll be talking some more about that. And uh, for me this week, um, I had kind of a the travel week from hell last week, getting to and from Pennsylvania through uh, uh, weather and uh, other unforeseen issues in the travel industry. And uh, so we kind of took took a week off from uh, a lot of our, from our podcast and from a lot of other things. But I kind of went behind the scenes with some of our Purdue basketball coverage, and I wanted to make sure people saw those. I had a piece on. Grady Eifert, Ryan Klein, and how they've adapted to their roles as senior leaders and and um, you know important guys on this team from a leadership standpoint, and how they had to especially adapt to that when all of a sudden this team was six and five and was sort of looking to them for answers. So I asked them about it, asked some of the guys on the team about it, and um, that was on jcnline.com that earlier this week. Also a piece. Um, that's up today, um, up late, up last night, I should say, about uh, the new, the change in the social media policy. A lot of people probably know that Matt Painter had not allowed the players to make social media posts during the season. That had been sort of a long-standing policy that was changed going into this year. And so we had asked him about it in the fall, but I didn't really write anything about it. It wasn't a, it didn't seem like necessarily a, a monumentous um, news item at the time. But I kind of wanted to see how it would play out and how this team would respond um, and see if there'd be any incidents or for lack of a better term and here we are in February and it's actually become something that I think the team is starting to use to its advantage and and um, both when it's, it's outreach to fans just the way it, um, it the way they talk to each other on social media it's be, for this team anyway so far it's been a positive I'm sure that you know from just talking to Matt Painter yesterday I think he's probably still got some hesitancy about you know, it can be great 999 times out of a thousand, and the one time somebody says something wrong, it, it makes a headline or something, and, and I'll probably be guilty of that when it happens. But um, for now, it does seem to be something that um, is a positive, and that that story was ironically, uh, coincidentally, however I'm supposed to say that, getting some good uh, reaction and, and starting some conversations on social media last night. So you can check the, all that stuff out at jconline.com. Um, if you're getting this podcast uh, through um the 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 website jcnline.com you can actually subscribe on iTunes you can subscribe through Stitcher 
SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. There's there's several outlets that we um, posted on. Uh, please download it, subscribe, uh, rate us, give us any feedback, comments. Um, we hear about all that stuff, and we like to um, you know b- bring uh, your ideas into the podcast too, and make this sort of a, a conversation with our readers and w- with all the people who are following our Purdue sports coverage. So. With that being said, I'm going to turn this over to the interview that I did with the uh, Lincoln Journal stars Chris Basnett. As uh, the Huskers are, um, uh, well, we'll talk about it. it. Things aren't going great in Lincoln, and two teams are kind of meeting at a, a different trajectories right now uh, for Saturday's game at Mackey Arena. We are joined by Chris Basnett. He covers Nebraska basketball for the Lincoln Journal Star, and uh, the Cornhuskers are coming to Macarena on Saturday night. Uh, everyone loves those 8.30 p.m. starts, especially on the weekends, and that's what we get, uh, the hammer-down cancer game for Purdue. But um, obviously a bit of a rough stretch now for the Cornhuskers. So, um, Chris, thanks for joining us. Um, maybe kind of just bring us up to date on – it's a six-game losing streak, and from the outside that looks bad, but, but I guess just how bad is it? It's uh it's pretty bad. Um and, and I say that kind of chuckling, but it, but but there's nothing funny about it. This is a team that that has forgotten how to play offense essentially. Um they they shot 21% uh last night, uh Wednesday night um against Maryland, which set a Pinnacle Bank Arena record for lowest shooting percentage by a Nebraska team, fewest points by a Nebraska team, they scored 45. Uh the players have started to say we're not having any fun. Um Tim Miles, the head coach, started crying last night in his post game press mm-hmm. conference. You know, it's, 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 he, and he had the, he kind of had the, I guess the money quote. He said, I hope and pray this is rock bottom. And you, you kind of look at the schedule coming up for him and, and you don't know if it is or not. With They have two games at, uh, or two games left with Purdue, including the one this weekend, one each with Michigan and Michigan State. It's, it's been rough. And especially the way, the way this season started out with, with the expectations this team had. And they started well, 11 and two, and now, yeah, like you said, lost six in a row, uh, eight of their last ten, and and last night was ugly. Last night it kind of all came to a head. Um, there was the kind of the incident with Bruno Fernando stepping over a Nebraska player. Uh, Tim Miles earned a technical. Um, There's a actually a fan in the section next to ours that that was kicked out for yelling obscenities at, at Miles and, and saying, you know, he you're done oh, and you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles, yeah, wow. yeah. To forget Bruno Fernando, yeah. No, so it, it last night was it was kind of the culmination, I think, of of kind of this whole losing streak, the, the stretch of bad play, and it's 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 not a lot of fun right now in Lincoln, that's for sure. So there seem to be a lot of dynamics going on here. I mean, a six game losing streak is never good, even though the Big Ten is really strong right now. Um, and that this, this 16 losing streak, it includes the losses at Rutgers and at Illinois, which are the, the quote-unquote bad losses. But then the other losses are here, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Maryland. I mean, they're, they're the best teams in the country. But how much of, of the, the, the vibe right now is based on, A, the expectations you talked about, the fact they were 11-2, and two, they were ranked in the top 25, they seem to be you know, maybe poised to do something. I think they were picked third in the Big Ten preseason by the media. And then I guess on top of that, this maybe there's just sort of a sense that maybe a do-it-or-else situation for 10 miles, too. I mean, are all those things sort of playing into the the atmosphere around the team right now? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think you nailed it. You know, it's every, it was kind of a deal where before the season, everybody kind of knew where Tim Miles stood. You know, he got he only got the one year contract extension after last season when he won twenty two games, and and his athletic director Bill Moose made it clear that that they wanted to see progress. They wanted to see this this program kind of stay at a consistent level and, and have similar results to last year. And, and everybody knew the schedule was going to be tougher. Uh, everybody knew the Big Ten was going to be a lot better than it was last season. And Nebraska hasn't held up its end of the deal. And I think the thing that's probably the most the most painful part for, for Nebraska is that it looks so familiar. You know, when, when we've seen Nebraska fail in the past, it's because the offense has failed. Uh, and it's it's happening again, and it's a thing where it, it shouldn't be happening with, with uh, the talent on this team, even with Isaac Copeland going down with the knee injury. There's still there's still talent on this team and more talent on this team than, than a lot of Nebraska squads have had. And it's – there's just that, yeah, that, that pressure of, for Tim Miles of trying to navigate through this and, and having kind of that monkey on his back from the start of the year. And, and, and the Big Ten is, is brutally difficult. We all know that. And, and going to Rutgers is, is no picnic. You know, Illinois – or, I'm sorry, Ohio State found that out, you know. And, um, Michigan State went into Illinois got beat the other night. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's hard every night. And, and, yes, those are quote-unquote bad losses, but – for a team like Nebraska, and Tim Miles has said this, and Mark Turgeon actually said it last night, if if you've got a weakness, it's going to get exposed in the Big Ten, and, and no matter who you're playing, and that's what's happening right now. And it's just compounded on itself. And, and you know, this was a stretch in the season when everybody around Nebraska's program thought, all right, we've got a chance to really make some hay, to pile up some quality wins and give ourselves a shot. And it's, it's just gone exactly the opposite direction. You look over their schedule and you see – They've got some some nice home wins in the non-conference portion of the season, I think. I mean, you know, beating Seton Hall. I mean, really pounding Seton Hall at home. Uh, They won at Clemson. Uh, They beat Creighton at home. Creighton's not at the heights they used to be, but still a a really solid team. Um, And and they're able to score points in all those scenarios. Halfway through this six-game losing streak, uh, they lose Isaac Copeland to an ACL tear. How much of that is a factor right now? How much are they missing him? Or do you feel like – it started before that. They, they certainly miss him. Uh, there's no doubt. That's you know that's a former five star recruit, a guy that's averaging 15 and six for you. But but these struggles started before Isaac got hurt. You could you could kind of see the seeds being sown a little bit. Even I think going back all the way to the Texas Tech game, where, where Texas Tech and Texas Tech has turned out to be a really good team, but Texas Tech really just shut them down offensively. And you can kind of see some of those weaknesses even back then. Now. Nebraska was able to get past that and win a few more games. But even when Isaac was healthy, as we kind of started back into Big Ten play, you know, th- th- this team had shown cracks. They, you know, they they blew a 13-point lead at Minnesota. They blew an eight-point second-half lead up at Maryland. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. there was there was signs of things not maybe going quite like this team thought they were going to go. So, and then the and then the Isaac Copeland play happens, and it's a total freak thing where it's after the whistle, and he goes up for a dunk, and he lands awkwardly and tears his ACL. It was a play that never needed to happen, and it's and it's a thing for the fan base where they go, well, this this is the most Nebraska basketball thing that could have possibly happened, and 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 it did, you know, and so certainly that's that's played a role, and you know the you can't just replace 15 points a game, but this team was struggling long before that, and they're struggling. In, in every aspect, they they can't make threes. They they can't score. In, they can't score inside. They they just can't do much anything on offense right now. But yeah, we saw that we saw those cracks forming. I think long before Isaac went down. Glenn Watson is the guy that Purdue recruited. I remember him being a target of theirs when I was first coming onto this beat. 
Um, man, he's had a rough stretch here. I think he hasn't made a three-pointer in his last three games. He was over 10 the other night. Um, what are you seeing from him right now? Because that's a guy that in, in any matchup, I think Nebraska would hope is someone that could maybe take advantage of some matchups. Yeah, that's that's kind of he's kind of the linchpin. I, I've been saying for a couple of years now, and even the last three that that Nebraska goes is Glenn Watson goes, and he is he has gone ice cold. Last night was the first time he hasn't scored in a game since he was a freshman, and when he was coming off the bench, uh, you mentioned he he's really struggling from outside. Um, 0 for 10 last night, and it's it's a it's a thing with Glenn where he's a guy that kind of wears it on the sleeve a little bit. You you can kind of see how he's going to play usually within the first few minutes of a game. And, and he's just pressing so hard right now. And, he, and he's putting so much on himself. And that was kind of one of the more, I don't know if this is the right word, but more, one of the more poignant scenes last night, you know, we got done with media responsibilities and I came back out to the floor and, and Glenn Watson's out there by himself in an empty arena, just shooting up jumpers, just trying to find something, you know, and it was shooting, you know, sw- he just played 39 minutes against Maryland and he's out there shooting until sweat's just rolling off his body for half an hour, just trying to find it. And, he is he's kind of been the the epitome of these struggles. He has just he's completely lost his way offensively to to be quite frank and it's it's strange because he started the year so well. He's kind of again, he's Nebraska's kind of gone as he's gone this year. He was really good through the non-conference and, and even the first couple games of conference play and and now it's it's just completely lost and and you feel for a guy like that, a, a senior that's a, been a, a starter for most of his career here, a guy that you mentioned what was really highly recruited by some really respected programs throughout the Midwest, and it's it's just gone bad, and it, it's tough to describe. It's 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 certainly all mental, I think, right now. And Tim Miles said as much last night with him, and it, that's not something you can easily fix. You know, you can't sound like you can just take him into the gym and say, okay, we're we're going to square your shoulders up and fix your feet, and your jumper's going to be fine. It, it's just not that simple with Glenn. So. Yeah, there, there's no easy answers there. Um, certainly, he's a guy that if Nebraska is going to play well, he needs to play well, and, and he just has not played well offensively the the last several weeks and, and shown in the results on the court. Speaking of matchups, Purdue's obviously got some some big bodies under the basket that have been producing Trevion Williams and Matt Harms. They're coming off a game where they had uh, 31 and 12, I think, combined against Minnesota, and that was Harms had five blocks as well in that game. I look at Nebraska and I don't really see, especially when you're taking Copeland out of the mix, because he's a guy that I think being a bigger body, you could play some interesting matchups there, at least at the four. But without him, how does Nebraska try to match up against teams that have you know, legitimate big guys underneath them? Purdue's going to do it for 40 minutes. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a nightmare matchup for Nebraska, and we saw it a little bit last night with Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith. You know, Bruno Fernando has 13 points and 19 rebounds, and, and Jalen Smith has, I, I believe, 20 and 11, 18 and 11. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he had a double-double. Um, Nebraska just can't do it right now. You know, they played Isaiah Roby at the five for the, the last couple of years as kind of a kind of a small ball five. But he can only do so much, and, and he's been foul prone. And, and um, Nebraska's got a senior, Tanner Borkart, who was a walk-on here before he earned a scholarship last year. He's kind of stepped into that starting role in place of of Copeland, and, and he's done okay. You know, he had 12 points and 18 rebounds at Illinois, but you know, again, he's a guy that's really foul prone. He he doesn't have the athleticism uh, of an Isaac Copeland. Um, he doesn't have the athleticism, you know, of a Matt Harms or or, or of some of these guys that Purdue's going to throw at him. And, 
he'll do his best and, and he's a big body at six eight two fifty. but you know again we're talking about a kid that was a walk-on up until last season and he'll give you everything he can. But, yeah, it's it's just really going to be a struggle for Nebraska to match up because after those two, the depth just really really drops off. They've got a six foot eleven freshman in Brady Hyman that probably should have redshirted this year but has been forced to play play because of the lack of depth. And then after that, you're talking about, you know, Nana Kenton, who's six foot six, or Amir Harris, who's six foot five. You know, they they just don't have the depth in the front court. They don't have the depth overall, period, right now for, for a lot of positions. And it's it's as bad as it is for Nebraska. This matchup really does come in at the worst possible time because it's just about as bad of a matchup as Nebraska could want to have. So Purdue uh, hosts Nebraska on Saturday, and then two weeks later they're in Lincoln. So the, you know this is one of the double plays that they have this year, and that's been an interesting place for Purdue in, in recent years. I mean, I, I was my first year on the beat was the game where uh, Purdue lost its last seven games, and that included that Nebraska game and. Sterling Carter tears his, tears his ACL and Jay Simpson collapses and just sort of a weird night. And then a couple of years ago, Purdue is on its way to winning an outright Big Ten championship and looked like it really stubbed its toe in a loss at Lincoln against a, a very adequate Nebraska team, a team that they should have definitely beaten on paper. And uh, things kind of went sideways for them, and uh, they were fortunate they were able to, to finish things off. So it's always been a, a tough place for Purdue to play. I think it's a tough place for a lot of people in the Big Ten to play. When the team is going through a slide like this, are you are you seeing it affect just that that atmosphere in Pinnacle Bank Arena at all? Are the fans still is that same enthusiasm there? Because that has been a factor in in some of these road games. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny. They they got about ten thousand last night, which is not a sellout. And of course, it was about six degrees here, and the wind was howling, and that was yeah. part of it, you know, in the six o'clock on Wednesday, but. Right. You, you can see it when Nebraska's when Nebraska's going bad. Um, there's there's so much nervous energy in this building because this fan base has seen it before. You know they, they've seen things go bad and it, things again kind of reached ahead last night. You know there were there were guys yelling obscenities at Tim Miles during the game. There was at least one fan that was escorted out of the arena for for yelling at Tim Miles, and, and it's ugly right now. And you know it's this team feeds off this Pinnacle Bank Arena crowd both when it's going really good and when it's going really bad. That that crowd really helped them, I think, beat Seton Hall earlier this year when that game was still in the balance and Nebraska just kind of roared away the last 15 or 20 minutes. And, and when Creighton came in here, the place was a madhouse. And, and I can remember you mentioned the Purdue game a couple of years ago. That Again, that crowd really kind of helped Nebraska to a, a win in a game they probably shouldn't have won. And, yeah, when Nebraska's going good, this crowd is unbelievable and this building is unbelievable. And we've seen that, you know, it was a 20 game home winning streak until things kind of went south here the last few weeks. But yeah, during these, during this losing streak, you can, you can just kind of feel that nervous energy and it seeps down onto the court and into the way this team plays. So it's, you know, in two weeks from now, who knows what things are going to look like, but it's going to be a weird vibe. I think, over these next four or five weeks because everybody now kind of kind of views this as kind of a long, slow march to the finish, you know, for, for 10 miles of time here for this season, for this team, for these seniors, you know, you, you've got some seniors that have really contributed a lot. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a funny atmosphere because this fan base wants so badly for, for Nebraska to, to have a winner and, and to win on a consistent basis. But, but they've also got that, 
got that thing that some of these fan bases have that when they're used to using of the, you know, well, here we go again, here it comes. And they, they wait for the next bad thing to happen. So it's, 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 it's tough to kind of, to kind of quantify, I guess, but you, but you can definitely see it when it's happening. When, when this fan base, when things go bad for this team, this fan base's energy reflects that. That's Chris Baznet from the Lincoln Journal Star. You can follow him on Twitter at Husker Extra CB, or you can go to the the, the Lincoln Journal Star website, journalstar.com, and uh, read about Nebraska before it makes its trip out to Mackey Arena this weekend. Thanks a lot, Chris, for joining us. And if you're headed this way, safe travels. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Chris Baznet. That'll wrap up this week's edition of Boilers Extra. But please follow me on Twitter at JC For our print readers, you should know that game is going to end too late for our reports to be in Sunday's print edition of the Journal and Courier. So come to jconline.com. Immediately after the game, we'll have game reports up. We'll have my insider column. We'll have video um, reaction, interview reaction with uh, Coach Painter and the players. We'll have my over and back take. And um, I'm not sure who else is there. I know that's what I'll be doing that night, and we may have some additional coverage on top of that. So please come to jconline.com and join us here next week for another edition of Boilers Extra.